Hey guys, Rich Scheib here. I'm 45, just turned 45 this summer. Got a lot of experience in life. Uh, got a master's degree from a respected seminary. Been a pastor for a little while. And I just thought I'd share some of my uh, life experience, things that I've found that helped me to be more successful in life. And so I'm just going to run through several things. First of all, um, when you're done with your deodorant, put the lid on it. it I've, I've found that it, it just lasts a lot longer if you do that. Another thing, be sure to put your shoes on after you put on your pants. That's another really helpful thing I've found. Now, optionally, you can put your socks on after the pants or before the pants, but definitely not after the shoes. Okay, now you're about to go somewhere in your car. One thing you want to ask yourself, am I driving or am I riding? Uh, in this case, I'm driving, so I want to go to this side of the car where the steering wheel is. It's a red light, so I'm coming to a stop. When it turns, oh, there it is. Just turn green, so that means I can go. Sometimes you'll come to a door. It's locked. Take the key. There's this hole. Just stick it in and turn it. Did you hear the click? And it's open. It's just as easy as that. It's pretty cool. Was that helpful to you? I mean, can you imagine if every single week the video that I made or when we get together once a month and worship together as a whole church, if the message that I taught was like Captain Obvious kind of simple stuff? I, I kind of feel like that's maybe the way a lot of people thought what they thought when they heard Jesus' parable of the sower. You know, the passage we looked at last week in the start of, of Mark chapter 4. In chapter 3, we know that people were coming from all over the region. There might have been people listening to that sermon who had walked entire days just to be there. They'd heard about this guy named Jesus. They got to go hear him. They sit down. He's finally going to talk. Man, look at all the crowds. And he tells them about a farmer going out and spreading seed. He tells them about how, you know, lands on good soil. It's going to have fruit. Ugh, really? That's it? End of sermon. See you next Sunday. I mean, what in the world was that all about? And then I think even more mystery and even more question that comes up for us in chapter 4, verse 10, it said, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. And then quoting from Isaiah 6, he says, So that, quote, they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and should be forgiven. Okay, isn't this the whole reason you came, Jesus? Was so that people could hear your message and that they could turn, repent, follow you, and be forgiven? Why is it that some people get mysterious parables, like Captain Obvious kind of stuff, and then other people get the detail. How does that work? And I really feel like the passage that we're looking at this week, verses 21 through 34 of chapter 4, for me have unlocked those questions. Why would Jesus teach in that way to some, but clarity with explanation to others? First of all, though, I think we've got to understand what a parable is. Easton's Bible Dictionary says it's a placing beside 
a comparison. A parable is actually a little bit different than an illustration. Think of it like this. A, a, you know, Jesus taught a truth. Remember, we looked at the explanation last week. Jesus, the truth was that you will be fruitful for the kingdom of God if two really important things are true of your heart. That you fear God and you're walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. My, I don't fear the things of the world and I don't desire the things of the world. I fear God so I want to obey Him. And I desire him, so I want to follow him. That's the kind of person that's going to be fruitful for the kingdom. Kingdom. That's the truth. A parable is like a story. It's like an illustration, but not an illustration, in that it goes beside the truth. A parable requires the listener to build the bridge from the story to the truth. So, for example, I heard one pastor explain it like this. If he, he said, here's a parable. Even monkeys will fall out of trees from time to time. That's a parable. And if I were to say that, out of any kind of context, you'd have to figure out what in the world is he getting at. He's saying something we know and already understand, but how is that applicable? You've got to do some work to build that connection. Now, if the truth I'm trying to teach or help people to understand is that even scientists who are experts in their field will from time to time make mistakes. Just like monkeys who are expert climbers will from time to time fall out of a tree. Now I've told you a true statement or something I'm trying to teach. I've given you a parable, but actually I've changed it into an illustration by building the connection. Now you understand how the illustration connects to the truth that I'm trying to teach. A parable is, is an illustration without the bridge. It's just a statement where you as a listener have to build that bridge. And where he goes next, I feel like really answers the questions to why he only teaches in parables to some and explanations to the other, especially with this verse. You've heard this so many times. Verse 21, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? In other words, you got a dark room. What's the purpose of a light if you just put a basket over it? It's a dark room. Or put it under the bed. It's a dark room. You put it up on a stand so the light can shine throughout the entire room. Now, I grew up in the church, and I sang the song as a kid, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I've always thought of this passage about allowing the light of Jesus to shine out of my life into the rest of the world, into the people that are around me. But now, I don't think he's saying that. I think what Jesus is actually saying, he's saying, I'm the light, and, and you need to allow the light to shine into every part of your life. There are dark corners of your heart that need the light of Jesus. Don't cover it with a basket. Look at where he goes on. Uh, he says, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, guys, listen to what I'm saying. Don't cover up what I'm saying in your life. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. In other words, when God shines his light into our life, and there's a dark corner that gets exposed by his light, we respond. 
We say, you're right, Jesus. I want to follow you and I want to do what you say you want me to do. He says, for to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In other words, if we ignore what Jesus says, if we continually refuse to listen to what God is telling us, then we're going to get less and less. That's putting a basket over the light of God in our life. And that is, I think, the key to understanding what Jesus was saying. It's seemingly harsh words from Isaiah. Because the nation of Israel had been sent prophet after prophet. God told them over and over and over to turn back to him. And then finally with Isaiah, God is it's the end. That's it. There are no more warnings. I have to now discipline my people for not following me. Guys, if we do not respond to what God is giving us in the light of God through his truth, then we're going to get less and less of it, not more. Jesus is not a piggy bank or a you know, bank account or the rich uncle that you can just show up when you want to to get what you need. I'm going to open up my Bible to just get a little nugget that I can use for my day to make my life better. And I've said it this many times. Jesus is not a bolt-on accessory to improve your vehicle. He wants relationship. He wants us to walk with him. Then look what he said in verse 26 and 20 through 29. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Okay, more, more farming illustrations. He sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The farmer knows when the seed needs to go in the ground because he does it the same time every year. The farmer knows that i got to wait night, day, night, day. It takes some time. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle in because the harvest has come. Guys, our job, I believe, is to respond to the work of God in our life. He's the one that brings the fruitfulness. We don't know how that works exactly, what God does. And just like the farmer is like, look, I just put the seed out at the right time. I make sure the soils, the farmer has a job. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He doesn't know how it happens. It just happens. The same thing is true in our lives. As God is working in our life with time, time passes by, there is going to be fruitfulness as we respond to what he's doing. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Mustard seeds are like a millimeter in diameter. They're very small. And yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and, pu and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in their shade. It starts off tiny in our lives, but it just grows and grows and grows and becomes the dominant and biggest thing that's in our lives. In verse 33, it says, With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. And I want to keep, keep you, you in mind that Jesus desires a relationship with us. He is not someone that we can just show up when we need him and then run back to what we want. 
He wants us to be with Him and walk with Him. And as we walk with Him, we will learn and know more and more and more. And the other thing I want to highlight, he says, privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Look at John 14, 26. Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus trained his apostles for three straight years. And then he promised them and sent the Holy Spirit back to them so that they could remember and understand everything that he taught. So what if uh, Jesus was on the earth today and he was over in another part of the world? Say he was over in Israel. And you had a chance to go visit him and meet him. And you heard some of his teaching. You became a follower, but you lived over here. And, and you knew that there was these apostles that were walking with Jesus during his entire ministry. And then after Jesus ascended into heaven, those apostles started publishing letters. They started teaching and started helping us to understand better what God and what Jesus had taught us. That's what we have today. One of the ways that we follow Jesus and understand what he's teaching is through our Bibles. God has preserved his book that he has written through his prophets and through his apostles for us so that we can understand what Jesus is teaching, so that we can respond to it, and so that we can follow him. And what he's teaching in this passage is that if we don't let that light shine, then he's just going to take that away from us. It's going to become more and more mystery and less and less, and less answers. We're going to be more and more confused and instead of more and more clarity in our lives. And that's the way it works, he's saying for us. So I want to really encourage you. And is, is there time that you're really spending in quality time with God each day and, and really pursuing to understand what he's teaching and to apply it in your life. And brothers and sisters, over time, it's going to grow. How does it grow? I don't know. The farmer doesn't know. It just happens. But it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, and so that it becomes the most dominant thing in your life and in our world. Um, this, to me, has been a great passage to study, and I'm so looking forward to hearing some of your feedback and your input on it, and especially hearing about how God is teaching and instructing each of us today. Mm-hmm.